Let's all humble our hearts before Almighty Yahweh. Kind Father in heaven, we're so grateful we can rejoice this Sabbath day through our songs, through our thoughts, and through the things that we learn. We pray that you will continue to watch over your people. Bless those that are suffering, that they might realize that you are their Yahweh Rapha. You are the answer to whatever ails them. We pray that you'll continue to watch over them as well. Keep us safe in these days. Help us to be good witnesses out in the world. Help us to remember that it's, it is our example and not fearful to have a strong answer, a ready answer for those that ask. And we pray also now that you'll be with this message, that they, these words would be yours, and that we would all rejoice before you in the rest of this Sabbath day. In Yasha's name we pray. Hallelujah. Your Bible records 40 miracles performed by Yahshua when he walked this earth during his earthly ministry, beginning with his incarnation and ending with his ascension. Those were miracles, we know. He raised three individuals from the dead, the, widow, the widow's son of Nain, Jairus' daughter, and, of course, Lazarus. But you might agree that the most mystifying of his miracles is his cursing the fig tree and why he did so in Matthew 21 and Mark 11. Mark's more detailed version reads, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he, Yahshua, was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found Nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Yahshua answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. The NIV note says fig trees begin to leaf in March and April, but don't produce figs until about June when all the leaves are out. Well, this tree was an exception because it was already full of leaves at Passover time. Verse 1120 of Mark says, In the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, says unto his master, Behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Yahshua answered, Have faith in Elohim. It's almost like Peter was saying, I can't believe it. What you said to this fig tree actually happened. Yahshua says, have faith in Elohim. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and thou be cast into the sea, you shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that these things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now atheists use this and say, well, nobody's thrown mountains into the sea by their faith. How can that be true? Yahshua told a falsehood. Clearly, Yahshua was punctuating the lesson, I believe, with extreme, with extreme amount of metaphor. And, and the Hebrew language loves hyperbole, exaggeration to make a point. You'll find it all the way through scripture. You say, wait a minute, that's a little strong. Well, that, that's the way the Hebrew language often works. Faith is not given or used without a righteous purpose. 
I'm wondering what's the point of throwing a mountain into the sea just to say you could do it and glorify yourself, perhaps. This mountain, I believe, speaks of succeeding to do what's thought impossible. The mountains that faith can move are things like mighty empires, hearts entrenched in evil, hearts so hardened they're thought hopeless to penetrate, to get through to. Mountains can symbolize large and challenging obstacles in life that demand hard work and faith to overcome. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, if we don't get them, what's the problem? Is it our belief? Do we not have enough belief? Have we just thrown it out there and seen what happens? And the next verse says, uh, in verse uh, 25, And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought anything against anybody, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Belief and forgiveness. Two very important attributes of a believer. But let's go now to the fig tree again, which really packs a lot of lessons. So we're going to start unpacking. Why would Yahshua kill a tree for failing to bear fruit? Well, if you understand this miracle, it helps us see what Yahshua expects of us and what he died for. Yahshua's curse of a fruit tree has multiple layers of significance for righteous living. Yahshua's reprimand for a lack of faithfulness. That's what this really is about. Lack of faithfulness. The, the tree, the fig tree, was supposed to prefer, perform fruit. But it wasn't there. More specifically, he condemned a deceptive lack of faithfulness. Symbolized by a tree having leaves, lots of leaves, thinking, whoa, well, this has got to be full of fruit. Finding out there was none there. See, the fig tree in scripture oftentimes is a harbinger. Matthew 24, 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. This is what Yahshua expected. We saw the fig tree. He's hungry. He says, I'm going to get some figs. Because he saw the tree in full, full uh, array of leaves. Kind of like when he didn't see, it's kind of like my apricot tree. It's been full of blossoms every spring now for seven years. I haven't got one apricot from it. So I wonder if I should just cut it down or keep trying. Well, there's another parable coming up. We'll see a little more about it. But most say the fig tree illustrates Israel, which is not producing fruit of the right kind. Or not producing fruit at all. They were too involved with the world, even so far as banking in the temple. Remember when Yahshua overthrew the money changers? That's kind of like Starbucks in the vestibule today. Yahshua's cleansing of the temple is sandwiched between two parts of the account of the fig tree. Verses 12 and 14 and 20 to 25. Now, leaves of the fig tree benefit the tree, right? That's why trees put out leaves so they can do the photosynthesis thing and 
and grow and get bigger and then, then be able to perform and grow fruit. But it's for the benefit of the tree. But its fruit has other functions, possibly even more important. Well, this fig tree equates to those who just live for themselves. They live life basically for me. They work to produce what elevates themselves in the world's eyes. But when it comes down to producing and offering fruit for the benefit of others, it's not there. Reminds us of ministries that continually focus on themselves and their sermons and their outreach. Look at us and how great we are. Like leaves that benefit only the tree. But they bear little fruit for the spiritual benefit of of growing, helping those who are supposed to be committed. They are supposed to commit to truth. Preach the word, Paul admonished the young Timothy, because that's the number one job of a ministry, to preach the word. How often do you hear that today? You hear the word being preached, or is it all sweet nothings? It's far easier to talk about anything but the word, believe me. Ministries are famous for not preaching the word today. Preaching the word by getting into the scriptures required that you know the word. So if you don't teach it, it implies that you either don't know it or you don't want to submit to it, what you find out. So if you don't teach it, it's a dereliction of, of duty, dereliction of duty, and it's a serious business when it comes to those who are supposed to be spiritual leaders. I was shocked one time somebody asked me a question, and I said, well, you know, let's look for the answer. And they said, well, you know, my minister, he won't take questions. What? Isn't that his job? It's like a carpenter that won't swing a hammer. I mean, I said, well, maybe they don't know the answers, or they don't want to be bothered, or they just don't want to take the time, or something like that. They lack the fruit. That's the point. They don't have the fruit in what they're doing. It takes years of study and midnight oil to have a Bible-based answer to all the myriad of questions that a minister is constantly bombarded with. But many don't want to work that hard. They tack up their shingle and they do the minimum amount of allowed by law. They, uh, they avoid the weightier matters which matter most. Those things that change lives, that Come through the fruit of the Spirit. That's what they need to be pushing and showing and, and helping people with. And that comes by getting into the trenches and hammering out issues that someone has needing answers to. Too many food, fig trees abdicate their responsibility and deceive the gullible into believing they're getting the real deal when it's just fluff. You see, Yahshua is the fruit. He's the fruit inspector, and sadly, he too often finds no fruit where he expects it most. Matthew 7, 16, you shall know them by their fruits, or we could say by their lack of them. Several times the prophets describe Yahweh as inspecting Israel for early figs as a sign of spiritual fruitfulness. We find it in Micah 7. We find it in Jeremiah 8 and Hosea 9. But he finds no first ripe fruit that my soul desires. 
I found Israel like grapes, Hosea 9.10 says, in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at our first time. But they went to Baal Peor and separated themselves unto that shame. And their abominations were according as they loved. How disappointing. Yahweh had a plan for Israel. They kept turning away, going the other direction. You shall know them by their fruits. Well, fruitfulness is a teaching that runs throughout the Bible, literally from start to finish. Having the right fruit, bearing the fruit for the sake of the kingdom is taught from both bookends, Genesis and Revelation. In Genesis 1, Yahweh creates, quote, fruit trees bearing fruit. Genesis 1.11, that's literally bearing fruit, you know. He then creates men and women and commands them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Verse 28. Well, seeds come from fruit. Seeds are in the fruit. Someone says, well, I don't find any fruit in bananas. Are they supposed to be eaten? There's no seeds in them. Actually, there are. But actually, there, I read one time that there were, at one time, were seeds in, in bananas, but they kind of genetically engineered them out. But you can still see little black things in there when you eat them. And uh, so that's... Uh, that's acceptable with Yahweh. Because he says in Genesis 1.29, I've given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for fruit, for food. Fruitless figs. Fruitless fig trees can also represent the believer who doesn't doesn't have just the minimum for Yahweh in his or her life. They don't live for Yahweh. They live for themselves. Those in Genesis failed to be fruitful. Adam and Eve sinned and were ejected, of course, from the garden because of it by Yahweh. Because his garden was for fruit bearing. The first fruit Adam and Eve produced was their son Cain and what happened? Killed his brother, the direct opposite of Yahweh says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Soon everyone was exceedingly sinful except for Noah, Genesis 6. So Yahweh judged the earth with a flood. Afterwards, he refilled his original command to Noah and his family saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Well, they failed again, the people on the earth, they stopped the fruitful filling of the earth and decided to build a tower of Babel to glorify themselves, to consolidate into a city of Babylon as the capital of the earth. Yahweh didn't want that. So he changed their languages and they spread out over all the earth. Kind of unique when you think about it. How would Yahweh take care of this situation without coming down and just destroying this tower? Well, he did. <laughs> He attacked the builders by their, uh, by their languages. Pretty ingenious when you think how Yahweh does things. Same thing with a flood. Just wipes it all out. Genesis 11.4, and they said, Go to us, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. This brought another judgment from Yahweh, which dispersed people, of course, over all the earth. 
After that, Yahweh formed a special relationship with Abraham and his family, the father of the Israelites. And he promised Abraham, in all, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And likewise, Yahweh repeatedly called Israel to be fruitful and judged them for failing to do it. Throughout the Old Testament, Israel described as Yahweh's vineyard, the tree, the planting. This is a foundational metaphor for their spiritual health. Never thought so much could be said through trees. So in two exiles, the Assyrian and Babylonian, Yahweh pours out the curse of barrenness and Israel becomes a rotten fig, Jeremiah 29:17. But Yahweh promises one day to replant Israel in a kingdom and produce healthy figs from her again. You can find that in Joel 2:22, Amos 9:14, Micah 4:4, Zechariah 8:12. Yahweh doesn't give up on man, and hallelujah. <laughs> he doesn't. When Yahweh cursed the fig tree, I should say when Yahshua cursed it, there was a, a wealth of things we can learn from it. Which his disciples, I would think, would have recognized that. They knew the Old Testament. Yahshua was teaching it. But they said, hey, look at that, the tree died. After cursing the fig tree, when Yahshua and his disciples had entered Jerusalem for Passover, Yahshua applied the tree metaphor directly to himself. I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser, Yahshua says in John 15.1. And the significance of that is shown in the parable Yahshua tells in Luke chapter 13, where he teaches repentance. He begins by recounting that Pilate had killed a bunch of Galileans and mixed their blood with his worship sacrifices, of all things. Yahshua asked, well, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than others? No. He said, but you better repent or you're going to likewise perish. Then 18 people died when the Tower of Siloam fell on top of them. Why? Were they worse than everyone else in Jerusalem? Yahshua says, no, but you better repent or likewise perish. Then in Luke 13, 6, he tells a parable of a man with a fig tree in his vineyard. But after three years, kind of like my seven years, after three years, finding no fruit on his fig tree, he says, cut it down. But the vine dresser said, hold on, hold on. I'll dig around it. I'll fertilize it. And if it produces, okay. If not, then go ahead and cut it down. Well, trees like the fig tree symbolize people, as I said, and the vine dresser, whom Yahshua equates to his father in John 15, 1, told the man to give it another opportunity to produce. Not yet, just wait. And by his graciousness, he gives us the chance to repent as well. How many times do we deserve to be cut down? But he gives us a chance. The fig tree was struggling, as so many do with sin. But Yahweh is patient. To a point. Many today need help in producing good fruit. This world is getting worse and worse, more rotten by the day. Some people were raised in a caustic environment or they suffered abuse as children. And they haven't figured out how to stop the cycle with themselves. 
Others make bad choices in their friendships or don't think through life-impacting choices before they make them and then have to deal with the consequences if they turn bad. Some rush into marriage before really knowing their potential spouse. You're going to spend a lifetime with this person. You better know who they are. Others pattern their lives after the world and not the word. Bad fruit is the result. Bad fruit from such things is endless. We see it all over the place. In John 15, the fig tree wasn't deceptive in not producing like fruit with the fig tree that Yahshua destroyed. Yet it shows a significant attribute of Yahweh the Father. Many see the Father as a merciless tyrant who likes to cause us misery, as did the the deities of the pagans. You know, they're always causing the people suffering and so forth because they were the the deities they worshipped. Yahshua teaches otherwise, that Yahweh allows time to repent and change And how often do we feel that we don't deserve it? He allows us to change, turn around, follow him before getting the axe. Repentance entails producing fruits of the Spirit, meat for repentance. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Fruits of the Spirit. The vision of two baskets of fruit figs in uh, Jeremiah 24 teaches us that there is good figs, good fruit, and there is bad fruit. And figs can also be bad and carry a curse. It all depends on us to bring forth worthy fruit. And we can't rely on our bloodline. We're rewarded by what we do in this life and not because of our ancestry. Luke 3.8, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. For I say unto you that Elohim can raise up stones to be children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Every tree therefore which brings forth not fruit Good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. You see, pride of ancestry was a problem back then. Um, Peter had a, a, a problem with it, and Paul had to straighten him out, which exists today. We see it all over the place. The, the, they were arrogant because of their pedigree and why they didn't choose their relatives. You know, we don't... We come into this world, we just come into this world. We have no choice about it. Except those who want to abort babies. Pride of ancestry was common. When Yahshua was speaking to the disciples in the upper room where they were celebrating the Passover, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, John fifteen sixteen. John, late in his life, saw a vision of Yahshua, the sacrificed lamb of Passover, reigning over heaven and earth. He once again saw a tree with fruit, 
In the last chapter of the Bible, John wrote, Then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of Yahweh and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This again shows that leaves are for the physical benefit. Fruit is spiritual. But you notice there are, this, this tree is on either side. There's more than one tree. It lines the whole, the whole uh, river, I, I suppose, or, or the way. From beginning to end, Yahweh likens people to trees or vines or plantings that produce or not fruit. Fruit that extends a blessing throughout the earth. So when we look at this parable and we look at the cursing of the fig tree, we find out there's a lot of meaning there that goes beyond just the visual, just the, what we see. And then we don't have to ask the question, well, you know, why would he kill a tree that wasn't producing fruit? Fruitfulness is the goal at both the creation of the world and its ending. It's the purpose of both calling of Yahweh's chosen people and their redemption. Fruit sustains life, both physical and spiritual. Fruits of the Spirit are actions that we take. They are what the gifts of the Spirit inspire us and produce in us. The presence of these fruits is an indication that the Holy Spirit dwells in the believer. Well, I just read off the, the uh, fruits of the Spirit. The KJV lists nine spiritual fruits. The Latin Vulgate that the Romans use adds three more. But I want to look at the nine that we commonly are, are uh, associated with as uh, fruits of Spirit. There's the charity or love. Charity is another word for love. Love is the outgoing love of Yahweh and our neighbor without any thought about self, getting something in return. We just do it out of love, out of charity. It's expressed in concrete action and not a, it's not just a warm and fuzzy feeling. It's actually doing for others, putting yourself out there for others, even when it's not convenient. Look at Yahshua. Every day he gets up, you know, he's probably going around, come on, disciples, get up. I know it's five in the morning, but we got work to do today. And they're probably thinking, oh, here we go again. Or maybe they were all excited. I don't know. I know Peter was probably excited. He was always out there, you know, ready to go, gung-ho, and wanting to know something new. Maybe this day I can jump into the water and walk on water. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever they were, uh, they were going to do, Peter, I'm sure, was, was first in line. But the whole idea was they were doing it for the people. They were doing Yahshua never served himself. Yahshua wasn't a fig leaf. He was a fig fruit. The next one is joy. After love, we find joy. The fruit of joy when the Negative, negative issues of life don't bother you. Yeah, well, that's, that's life. You know, I just keep on going. It's not going to distress me. It's not so much an emotion. It's more of a calmness. Calmness. Which you have when you believe in Yahweh and trust in him. People get all worked up. Well, what's going to happen to this world? 
Whatever happens, but as long as you have Yahweh, you don't worry. He, you know he'll take care of you, one way or the other. And then there's peace. When you trust in Yahweh, you have tranquility. You don't lose sleep over fears for the future. You trust in Yahweh. And like a sister once told me, she says, when I get to the point where I can't handle it at all, I put it in a box and I give it to Yahweh. And now it's yours to deal with. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty good uh, way to handle things. Turn it over to Yahweh. He'll take care of it. Then there's long-suffering or patience. We all have imperfections. When we see them in others, we bear them, knowing that, well, we also are that way at times. We also need mercy and forgiveness at times, which Yahweh provides. You look at road rage. It doesn't do anyone any good. It only increases blood pressure, shortness of life maybe through that. How can we expect Yahweh to forgive our indiscretions and we can't forgive others for theirs? Next fruit is gentleness. It comes from graciousness and kindness. It means moral goodness or integrity. It doesn't really fit the word gentleness. It's the willingness to give to others above and beyond what we might owe them. As when Yahshua said in Matthew 5, if you lose your shirt in a lawsuit, give them your bloomers also. That's, that's my own paraphrase. <laughs> then there's goodness. Goodness is the avoidance of evil in all its forms and to embrace what's right and even at personal cost, at the expense of one's fame or fortune. I can't help thinking of the corrupt politicians when <laughs> I read this who act not on what's best for those they serve but for their own self, for their own advant- advantage, for their own gain. In the party. Then the next fruit is of the Spirit is faith. Faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit means loving Yahweh's will at times and not worrying about consequences from man. We live for Him. Faith means even looking at death and saying, as Paul, hey, I die daily, I'm ready to go in any time. That's, that's, that's a lot of faith. In fact, they told him, hey, you better not go to Rome. You're going to end up, he says, I have something greater I got to do. I'm going to Rome. Yahweh will be with me as I take the message of truth to Rome. Enduring the attacks of others. To be meek is to express humility and humbleness. You know, when you don't fight back, there isn't much of a fight there, is there? <laughs> Think about it. Knowing you're living for a greater purpose than this life says it all. Why should I worry? Why should I worry if people attack me? Let them attack. Yahweh knows, and that's all that matters. To be temperate is to be, and that's the next one, temperance is to be forgiving rather than angry, gracious rather than vengeful. The gentle person is, is meek, like Yahshua said, I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am meek and lowly in heart, Matthew eleven twenty nine. He doesn't insist on having the last word, having his own way, but yields to others for Yahweh's sake. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the show Monk. <laughs> 
But people, people will accuse him of stuff and says, yeah, you're right. That's the way I am. There's no fight there, you know, no pushback. I guess I am that way. I think Yahweh likes us to kind of be that way at times. Yeah, you know, I'm a sinner too. It's hard to do because our natural, you know, we want to rebel and we want to fight back. That's the natural carnal nature of man. But that's not what Yahweh's looking for. The fig tree was behaving like it was fruiting, but it was not actually obeying the rhythms that most fig trees followed. It was putting out leaves too quickly, but not yielding nourishment. It wasn't doing it for the right gain, for the right purpose. It wasn't fulfilling its purpose, but it was portraying a false image, and this is what Yahweh didn't li- or Yahshua didn't like, the false image that was portrayed there and deception that went along with it. So he says, cut it down. And of course, we're talking about people, basically here. There are many who operate like the fig tree, like Pharisees who gave the impression of righteousness and how great they were in, in, their, in their faith and, and their morality. But their hearts were so inwardly focused and hardened by pride that they were unable to even recognize Yahshua the Messiah. Not only when they saw him, but also in his teachings. They couldn't, they didn't get it. Well, these fruits in your life are a powerful witness. Bringing others to salvation, hopefully. I'm not going to speak all afternoon on this, but just remember that I remember that one of the best quotations I ever heard Preach the scriptures daily, and when necessary, use words. (laughs) Hallelujah. 